Delicious meets nutritious in the snack that packs a real protein punch, wonderful pistachios. Each one-ounce serving of wonderful pistachios has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value and making wonderful pistachios one of the highest protein nuts. But perhaps more than that, I love all of the flavors they have. Their sea salt and vinegar ones are my favorite when I'm craving that flavor but want to keep it healthy. But that's just the tip of the iceberg. Wonderful pistachios come in a variety of flavors, like chili roasted, honey roasted, smoky barbecue, and jalapeno lime, perfect for enjoying with family and friends or taking them with you on the go. Whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snacking game today. So fill up with a healthy snack when hunger strikes. Visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. That's wonderfulpistachios.com. It's another Q&A edition of Optimal Health Daily, episode 1716, and I'm Dr. Neil, your host of the show. Welcome back to another special Friday edition of Optimal Health Daily, where I answer your health questions related to fitness, diet and nutrition, and lots more. You send in the questions, and I answer them for you. Now, once a month, usually during the first Q&A episode of the month, I mention a bit about my background and my credentials so you can better understand where my perspectives come from. Given this is the first Q&A of the month, it's time. Now, while I've always been obsessed with Batman, I wasn't always interested in all the things I talk about on this podcast, nutrition, exercise, health, and wellness. But being diagnosed with a chronic disease at the age of 19 definitely changed my life's purpose. It was then that I decided to focus my attention on helping others so that no one else had to experience a chronic disease diagnosis like I did. But in order to do that, I wanted to have some credibility. So again, this is not meant to be a humble brag, but instead, gain your trust. I received both my master's and doctoral degrees in public health. And to really cover all of my bases, I also became a registered dietitian nutritionist, a certified health education specialist, and a certified exercise physiologist through the American College of Sports Medicine. I've been teaching in higher education for over 14 years, and I'm currently faculty within the California State University system. I published peer-reviewed studies, presented at national conferences, and have been interviewed by over 70 different media outlets for my expertise on basically all the things I talk about on this podcast. So all of this to say that when I provide my commentary after each episode and I answer the questions you send in, I hope you feel as though it's coming from a place of truth. My only intention is to help you feel your best. And after that nice long intro, let's finally get to today's question and start optimizing your life. Today's question came via email. Longtime listener Jessica writes, Hi, Dr. Neil. I'm wondering if you could share what's useful to know about allulose. For health concerns, is it comparable to other sweeteners when consumed in moderation? Thanks. Thank you for taking the time to send in your question, Jessica. Allulose is one of those compounds that sounds fancy, but because it ends in ose or O-S-E, we know what it really is. It's sugar but there are so many varieties of sugar that exist. There's fructose, sucrose, glucose, of course, maltose, and lactose, and those are just the common ones. Not only are there so many sugar varieties, 
but each may be metabolized differently by the body. For example, almost every cell in the body can use glucose as a source of energy. Now, fructose can also be used for energy, but it has the ability to skip some of our metabolic pathways. And because of this, it's more likely to get stored as fat when compared to other sugar varieties. Again, I'm only mentioning some of the more common forms of sugar we find in nature. Allulose is only rarely found in nature. Instead, it's usually created in a lab by food manufacturers. Now, this doesn't make it bad automatically. I've talked about how the processing of salt by food manufacturers is actually a good thing. When salt is processed, impurities are removed, and they add iodine, which many of us need. Now, think about allulose as a cousin of fructose. Allulose has a similar molecular shape to fructose, but has some slight modifications. These modifications change the way it tastes. In fact, if we compared its sweetness to table sugar, we'd find allulose doesn't taste quite as sweet. It has about 70% of the sweetness that table sugar has. But here's what makes it particularly unique. You know how a second ago I was mentioning how different types of sugar get treated differently by the body? Like how fructose gets converted to fat really easily. Well, even though allulose is a cousin of fructose, it's very different in that very little of it actually gets absorbed by the body. So allulose is considered to contain virtually zero calories because so little of it actually gets absorbed. And because so little of it gets absorbed, it doesn't cause that spike in blood sugar levels and insulin. So if allulose is rarely found in natural food sources, where might we find it? Well, it's commonly added as a lower calorie sweetener to cereals, protein bars, desserts, baked goods, juices, yogurt, jams, and jellies. So basically lots of processed foods contain some allulose. Now the question is, is it okay that it's found in so many commonly consumed processed foods? Yes, that's because here in the US, the Food and Drug Administration, or FDA, considers allulose a safe food additive. Now, I've talked about how sometimes the FDA can be wrong about things. Sometimes a product can be recognized as safe right now, but then gets retracted and then put on a avoid as often as possible list. Probably the best example of this is aspartame. So what I do to double check is I'll look to see what the European Union is doing. Have they found allulose to be generally recognized as safe too? Well, at the moment, they haven't decided. But that's only because they're looking at the data. And as of December 2021, they haven't made a decision yet. Okay, that means I'm going to have to find another trusted source to determine whether allulose is truly safe for consumption. So I turn to the Center for Science in the Public Interest. After looking at the data, this organization believes that allulose is a safe replacement for added sugars. But they do say it should be consumed in moderation. This is because whenever we consume too much of something that the body can't absorb, well, it has to go somewhere. So consuming too much allulose may lead to gastrointestinal discomfort as the body tries to get rid of any excess allulose that's not absorbed. The most commonly reported symptoms were nausea, diarrhea, and abdominal pain after allulose consumption. But we don't know exactly how much allulose will cause these symptoms. Now, while allulose is considered safe, I have to mention that studies of the long-term effects have not been published yet. We also don't know how allulose 
might affect those with, say, inflammatory bowel disease like Crohn's or ulcerative colitis, those with irritable bowel syndrome or IBS, or how it might affect children. Now, if you want to find it on a nutrition facts label to see if the product you're buying contains any allulose, you'll have to look for it on the ingredients list. But know that the Food and Drug Administration does not require food manufacturers to include allulose in their calculations when listing total sugars and added sugars on the label. Instead, allulose will be included in the total carbohydrates line. But again, if you really want to know if the product contains allulose, look for it on the ingredients list. If it's listed near the top, it means the product contains quite a bit of it. If it's listed towards the end, it means the product contains very little of it when compared to its overall composition. Okay, so what's the bottom line? Consuming allulose is likely safe in moderation. If, after consuming a product containing allulose, someone starts to experience gastrointestinal symptoms or has any other odd reaction, it might be best to cut back or avoid it completely just to be safe. In the meantime, we'll see what the European Union has to say about allulose's safety. We won't hold our breath, though. That decision could take a couple of years. Stay tuned. Thank you again so much for taking the time to send in your question, Jessica. And if you want your question answered right here on the show, please send one in. You can email one to health at oldpodcast.com. Or if you want your voice heard on the show, come by oldpodcast.com slash ask. You can record straight from your computer's microphone. It's really easy and you can even play back your message and do retakes before sending it in. Or you can do it the old-fashioned way and call in your question. The number is 61 I love OHD. All right, I hope you have a great start to your weekend and I'll see you back here tomorrow where your optimal life awaits.